supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? There's sometimes where you, you know, you've seen something, you feel like you've seen it a hundred times, so you can easily do it until you get up here. I know, I, I was, yeah. I was talking to Mike one day when he did communion. I had him do communion, uh, Mike Foose. And he said, you know, I've seen it a million times. I just I can just get up there and just do it. He's like, but I got up there and was like, what am I supposed to say? I forget, you know, just, it's so easy to forget uh, when you get up here. Um, definitely want to encourage you to stay after. Even if you're not a member, you can come and hear what God has done over this past year and uh, what we're looking forward to in the next year. And, you know, of course, you wouldn't be able to vote, but we do want you to, to be a part of that. So we want to encourage you, if you have the ability to stay a little bit after, uh, I can't say exactly how long it's going to be. We're going to try to keep it as concise as we can and get through. And I'm, uh, I think I'm even going to shorten my message. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if we can get, uh, get up there with a good timing. So, um, so if, I, if I start to ramble, does anybody have a little bell or dinger? You can kind of buzz me maybe. Have you ever seen the, <laughs> what's the game, like catchphrase? Have you, <laughs> you seen the game catchphrase that like buzzes if you, you know, if you get the, if you hold on to the thing too long? Um, no, we won't do that. But anyway, so this week we are in week two of our series called Advance. Now when we think of advance, one of the things that I'm thinking about here as a church is how do we continue to move forward and to build the kingdom of God. What is God calling us to do as a church? Now, one of the things that we know, and we've talked about for a while, and you hear this every so often, periodically, is that we want to give hope by loving God, loving people, reaching the world, and making disciples. So that's kind of the idea of how we advance as a church. But how do we get from where we are now to where we want to further advance the kingdom. What is the kingdom? How do we bring about change in this world that looks different and and makes this world a different place? What do we need to do and what will it take? You know, every so often we need to be reminded about what it means to be a member in the body of Christ. So last time we were together, we began to talk about that. And most of what I'm taking is from a book called I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer. And I thought there was such great stuff in there to help remind us of what membership in a church really means and what it's all about. Every one of us need reminders here and there. You see, I have a, a degree in Bible theology, but I never feel like I've learned it all. I'm continually learning and continually reading. There's always things to be learned. And there's sometimes I just need a refresher on all the things that I had studied over the years. And even with my other job as an insurance agent, there's things we need refreshers on and things that we need to hear over and over and over again because it's so easy to get caught up in the day and forget those little things that make us successful, to help us do the job that we really want to do. And so we all need those kind of reminders. We all need a review of why we do what we do and what we should be doing as the people of God. So last time we talked about what it means to be a functional church member of the body of Christ. We learned that church membership is not about privileges or what we can get from it. It's about serving and giving of yourself. 
Now, this is the biblical definition of membership. Because sure, we can remain on the rolls of many churches and never show up and never give, but consider ourselves a member of that church. But that's not biblical membership. That may be membership to a club or some other thing where you kind of pay your dues even if you're not there and you don't go, and that's okay as long as they get their dues. But that's not biblical membership. The second thing we learned about biblical membership is that every member plays a role in a church. And one, when one member is not playing his role in the church, it impacts the entire body. The Bible makes it clear that if one part does not do its job, the whole body does not function well. An eye cannot be a hand. If it tries, the body will not function properly. Or if a part is missing, the body will not function properly. You see, membership is a biblical concept. Some would say, all I need is just me and Jesus. That's all I need. I don't need the church. I would challenge that as an unbiblical view of the church and an unbiblical view of church membership. Speaking to the church in Corinth, Apostle Paul says this to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 12, 27-28. He says, all of you together are Christ's body. How many know that it's kind of hard to be together if you're by yourself? All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Again, you can't be a, you can't be a separate part, part. I can't have a I can't have a thumb running around over here or my leg over on this side, right? We have to be a part. Every one of you is a part of the body. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. He hasn't appointed them for the bedside Bible study or the sleeping in church of the resurrection. He's assigned these roles in the body of Christ for the benefit of the church. And that's who we are when we come together. This morning, what we're going to be talking about is bringing unity. And while there are different parts, and there are different functions of the body, and there are different gifts and passions, even right here in this room, there are some of you that are very passionate about certain things that others of us it's not really a big thing. It's great that it's happening, but it's not, we're not really that passionate about it. That's because God has created us with different passions, different wiring, the way that he made us, and the things that we really care about the most. But even with all those different gifts, even with all those different passions, God has called us to be unified in our purpose. So with those different passions, we still bring hope, or we still give hope by loving God and loving people by reaching the world, by making disciples. God desires for Christians to get along, and he makes it very clear in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Did you get that? The world will know that we are Christians by the way that we act toward one another. Now, have you ever been in an ugly church business meeting? Do you think an outsider would have been impressed by our Christian behavior that they witnessed? Or have you ever heard Christians gossip about other Christians? Is that loving one another? You see, when you become a Christian, God expects you to be part of his church. 
But when you become a part of his church, he wants you to be a unifying presence there. He wants you to bring unity. And it doesn't happen with just the pastor. There's this thing called unity. Now, one of the things I love about sports, I love team sports. And I've seen some pretty average teams win championships. When we put together some pickup teams in Worcester, we're doing a basketball ministry, and we'd get all these, these teens together, and we'd begin to break up into teams. Some of them are the most talented basketball players I'd ever seen, but they can't play with a team. It's all about them and them taking the shot. They don't pass. They just keep running up and down the court. Guess what? No matter all that talent that they're on that team, and they don't win many games because they're not working together. They're not coming together to do what God has called them. Well, in the basketball game, I guess God hasn't called them to play basketball necessarily, but he could. He could. But I've seen some really talented, gifted teams with gifted players on it not win a game. Why? Because they don't work together. Unity is important. Unity is critical. And you know what? Life is a team sport, isn't it? <laughs> Parenting is a team sport. Problems of life are a team sport. When we face crises together, and there are things going on in our life, it's a team sport. We don't do that on our own, or we shouldn't. That's what the body of Christ is for. We were not created to go it alone. You remember in the beginning of Genesis, what did God say after he created Adam? It is not good for man to be alone. Not good for man to be alone. And we weren't created to go it alone. We were created for community. We were created for unity. We were created for a purpose. You see, we live in community and we need each other. And we need to work together. And when church members do not work together, the church is weaker as a whole. That's where we talk about that body and the missing pieces. The local church is more important and has a greater mission than any sports team. A greater calling than any sports team. There will be no player that will stand before the throne room of God and he's going to ask them, how many Super Bowls did you win? How many NBA championships did you win? How many Stanley Cups did you win? It's not going to matter. But when we stand before God, he's going to say, how many people did you bring in with you? How many people did you bring into the kingdom? What did you do with what I gave you? Did you share my love with others? Did you treat them with honor and respect? Did you tell them how much I love them and the good news that they could be forgiven? They don't have to live in this past junk that they have from their past. We have a greater mission than any sports team, and that's why unity and working together is more important than any sports team. Unity is vital to the health of a church, and that means every church member must contribute to this unity. Now, we see a lot of unity in the Ephesian church. The Apostle Paul said a lot about unity when he spoke to them. And Paul obviously liked this church. He says in Ephesians 1, 15 through 16, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, 
I have not stopped think, thanking God for you. Now, what, why was Paul thankful here? He was thankful for their faith in Jesus. But he was also thankful for their love. Other versions say for all the saints. Some versions say for all God's people. He was thankful because they loved one another. Because they loved the people around them. Because they loved the saints. And because of their faith in Jesus. It's that love that brings the unity. And Paul emphasizes it again in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Man, I think of that beg. Beg you. When we're in Arizona, and this is a lot of different places, but quite often you'll pull up to a corner and there's somebody with a sign begging for whatever they could get from you. Food, money, whatever it may be, begging. And Paul's saying, I as a prisoner, I am begging you. I am down on my knees, sitting in the sun, asking you to live a life, to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Lead a life worthy of your calling. He's begging you. He's begging this church to lead a life worthy of their calling because they're called by God. They're not called by Robert Kraft. Called by God. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's thought. Faults. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Do we have some faults? If you say no, you're a liar. So there's your fault right there. <laughs> you make allowance for each other's faults because there's going to be some. Paul wasn't living in some dream world. He knew that people are people and that there will be faults. So what do we do as a people to bring unity and to keep unity in the church? We make allowance for it. We make allowance for it. I'm getting a little off track here, but let's just keep going. Verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. Keep yourselves united in the spirit. Isn't that the key point? The Spirit keeps us united, though we have differences, though we may not agree on everything. So what's our responsibility as a church, as a church member? Our responsibility is to be a source of unity. You are never to be a divisive force. You are to love your fellow church members unconditionally. And while that doesn't mean you agree with everyone all the time, it does mean that there are moments where you're willing to sacrifice your own preferences to keep unity in the church. just wanted to share this with you. This is not something I've really said much about. But I think you need to know. Our church bylaws do not require a vote to put solar outside on this parking lot. Our board could have made that decision and just done it. But you know what? I think unity is important. And I think every one of us should have a say. And every one of us should know what's going on. So that there are any questions, you could ask those questions, which is why we had the couple of sessions that we did. 
there are things that, you know, a year or so ago I came to you with the idea of maybe a, a name change. I pulled back on because unity is more important than just steamrolling and making my way because it's my preference. Sometimes to keep unity, you do things that may not be your preference, but you do it because it's the right thing to do for the unity of the church, for the church body and for the kingdom. You see, when we seek unity, we demonstrate love. And I want the best that I can, and I'm not perfect. But I want the best I can as your pastor to demonstrate love to you because I do love you as your pastor of this church. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all, above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. And when Paul says above all, it doesn't get more important than that. Above all, put on love. Above all, put on love. Above all, put on love. Unity is really important in a church. Are we all doing our part? There's other things that often seek to destroy unity. Gossip and other negative talk. Now, Romans 1, 29 through 31 is kind of a depressing passage, honestly. It's a listing about all these unrighteous acts. And the context here is God's wrath poured out on all the godlessness of wicked people. Verse 29, it says, Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Wow, what a list. And gossip is listed right in there with them. Verse 30, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Now that's a list that will wear you down. And right in the middle of all those evil deeds is gossip, the one that we tend to kind of overlook a little bit. See, a person who repeats stories or speaks of people behind their back or passes around rumors involving the personal lives of others, that's gossip. And gossip is listed with all these other evil, unrighteous acts, and it's bad. And gossip is destructive to the church. When you think about unity, few things can destroy a church like gossip. You see, a unified church is powerful. Gossip, though, tears apart that unity and renders a church powerless. It divides us. And I'll say this about gossip, too. One of my pet peeves is people saying things about other churches or making judgments about them. You know, Satan is already trying to wreck the kingdom of God. Why would we assist him in doing that? Why would we assist him in doing that? By spreading stuff? Shouldn't we be battling evil and building the kingdom rather than turning on each other? 
Do you think perhaps that is part of his plan and we walk right into it every time we say something about another church or make judgments about another pastor? Man, that's not kingdom. We need to be building the kingdom, not turning on each other. There's an enemy out there, and it's not, it's not another church. There's an enemy out there, and it's not flesh and bone. There's an enemy out there, and it's not the person sitting next to you or the person that you're angry at. The enemy is the power and principalities of the air. And that battle can only be fought through prayer and through unity and through moving forward God's kingdom. The biblical expectation and my expectation as a pastor of this church is if you have something against someone, that you go to that person directly. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, these are the words of Jesus. This is not just some random passage I pulled out from the Apocrypha. <laughs> Matthew eight fifteen through 17 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by these two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. That's pretty harsh. But the biblical expectation is that if we have something against somebody, that we go to them directly. We don't go to somebody else and tell them what that person did to me. James was very direct when he wrote about the negative power of the tongue in James 3.6. He says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is the flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Those are some pretty strong words. So how do we respond to gossip? How do we respond to the issue of gossip in the church? We stop it before it starts. We need to protect the unity of our church, and nothing will divide a church like gossip and saying things about people behind their backs. So first thing is we don't be a source of gossip. If you have any doubt any doubts whether something is gossip, hold your tongue. Don't say it. Second, if someone in the church begins to share that gossip with you, gently rebuke her. Here's a good question for you. Did you go to that person? That's all you have to say. Did you go to the person that you're telling me about? Did you, did you speak with them? You don't have to respond harshly. Just kindly say that you don't want to hear gossip and you would hope that it wouldn't spread and they won't go to that person. Then you direct them to speak to that person and see if they can work it out. You can be a unifier in the church with just those few simple words. Did you go to that person already? And if there are a few more members that continually do that, word will begin to travel that this church does not tolerate gossip. And our church will be a place of joy and unity. 1 Peter 3.10 says this. For the scriptures say if you want to enjoy life, 
and see many happy days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. So enjoy life. See many happy days. Control your tongue. Stop the gossip. Be a unifier. Not only will speaking evil of others cause problems for them, often we find that it causes problems for you, physically, mentally, spiritually. You might remember the story in the Old Testament where Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. And you may remember that Miriam ended up with a skin disease. Now, be careful. Because you may find yourself speaking against God's plan. Be careful of grumbling because you might find yourself fighting against God. And guess what? 100% of the time, you lose. (laughs) You lose. You can also speak life and death into your own life. Self-talk, negative thoughts. Those negative thoughts become self-fulfilling prophecies can cause you to not enjoy life, can also cause you to have no happy days. I'm not talking about the Fonz happy days. Some of you who might remember that show. Because there's sometimes when we're honest that we get to the point where things just seem to be so negative and we repeat those negative things and we keep thinking about those negative things and we begin to list those negative things and everything that we see is through the lenses of all those bad things that are happening. There is power in what you speak over yourself and there's power in what you speak over others. So unity. We get away from the gossip We love one another, we make allowance for each other's faults, and we also forgive one another. There was a moment in my life, in college, when I was really just beginning to seek out God's plan and will for what he wanted for me. And there's a moment that I was praying, I often went to, we had a little lounge area in our dorm room that I would go in at night, just keep the lights off and pray. And I remember in that, in that room this particular night, I was praying, and I just felt like I couldn't get closer to God. I just felt like I was hitting a ceiling. And in that moment, I really sensed him speaking to me that I had never truly forgiven my family or my ex-stepfather for the way that I grew up and the things that I had been through. So it was in that moment that I began to realize, you know, I can only get so close to God before I'm going to hit a ceiling if I don't take care of this now. And I knew he was calling me to ministry, so I knew I couldn't, I couldn't be hitting the ceiling already. He said that you feel like you have forgiven, but what you all, the only thing you did, you pushed it down. And you just continue to push it down and compress it down and further down in there. But you're not truly forgiven. So I had to go through this process of truly forgiving not just shoving it down and, and moving on. Matthew six fourteen through 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, sometimes forgiveness is a process. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying that it's going to be just something that poof one day everything's done, 
But God calls us to forgive. And unity in the church will not happen if members have unforgiving hearts. Too many times members have anger and hurt because of something another member said or done to them. Or some members are angry or hurt at the pastor because of something they said or did or failed to do. Colossians 3, 12-13 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, each local church is made up of imperfect members and imperfect pastors, and we all make mistakes, and we all sin. Church unity is torn apart when members refuse to forgive, when any member is too prideful to forgive someone else, too prideful to recognize that they have been forgiven, and therefore they have to forgive others. It's essential to the unity of a church. This morning, if you have your worship guide, you'll see on the back, I've been doing this over the last several weeks. We're going to be just adding to it every week, just a short pledge. This is their second pledge for, for this second, this second um, message. Now, one of the things we know is that membership is more than just getting your name on a roll. It's different from the perks and privileges you, may, you might get for being a member of a social club or something else. We talked about how church membership is about sacrificing. It's about giving. And today we've talked about how it's about forgiving. Now think carefully about the words of this week's pledge. Think especially about church unity. Pray before and after you sign it. And ask God's help and His Spirit's power to help you fulfill this pledge. I'm just going to read it out for you. And this is between you and God. This is not something you need to turn in. Uh, this does not make you a member, by the way. This is just, I, you know, just a good reminder of what membership is. You, if you want to become a member, you have to go through a membership classes and process. Please let us know if you want to do that. Fill out a card. Tell us, I want to become a member. How do I do that? We'll get you signed up. But here it says, I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. And there's where you can sign. Let's all stand together this morning. We're going to close out. Father, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, I thank you specifically about how you've called us here as people of this church And I pray, Father, you would help to remind us of the things that are important to building your kingdom and important to advancing your kingdom. Now, these things may seem like simple things, but they're important things in your kingdom for us to be able to work together, for there to be unity among a lot of diversity. So, Father, I'm asking you to look into our hearts Lord, if there's anything in our hearts that shouldn't be there, anything in our hearts that's causing any division or disunity, whether it be unforgiveness, 
whether it be times that we've said things about others and gossip. Whether it's just simply causing division because we don't agree. Lord, I pray now that you would cleanse my heart and you would cleanse our hearts. Because Lord, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have something greater for this church even more than all the things that we're already doing. And those things are amazing. And I know that you're working through them. But Lord, I know that there's so much more that you have for us. Cleanse our hearts and prepare us. Help us to be unified for your kingdom's sake and for your purposes. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We will... Uh, Reconvene for the business meeting. We'll give about uh, 10 minutes or so, 10 minutes to do that. And we're, the business meeting is going to be up.